I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. I, I, I see myself making many trips to Chicago in 2018. But, oh, and uh, in the North Shore of Ohio, man. Yeah, uh, I was just bullshitting with Carly, and it just kind of came up in conversation because she was talking about, you know, the lake effect snow and stuff. And I was like, yeah, where Rick is, he can pretty much piss in the lake. Right. And she was like, oh, really? I didn't realize. And I was like, yeah, he's only a few minutes away from that fucking amusement park that you want to go to so bad because she's been bugging me to go to that for fucking years. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, that's when I sent you that message. I was like, how far are you away from Cedar Point? (laughs) It's crazy. It's it's literally one exit over, but the way it's structured, like you don't feel like an amusement park sitting on top of you. You don't feel it in the small town I'm in. Yeah, I can see that. But if you go out to like the patio, like one of the bars I go to, Harbor House, uh, right there or the place next to it's a real cool little fish house. Like you can sit on their patio and watch the fireworks. Every That's day. awesome. That's awesome. And oddly enough, I have never actually been in that park. Really? I've lived here about four and a half, five years, and I've never been in the amusement park. I've been over like on the beach part of it. Huh. Uh, they have like a pretty cool like outdoor concert venue there. And then they actually have like, you don't have to get the pass. Like you can go over there and do like go-karts and mini golf and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's like an old fashioned like game room. Oh, that's cool. I've gone and done that stuff, but I've never physically gone in the park. Are you a, are you a roller coaster person? I don't mind them. I just, I'm, I guess, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I rode a roller coaster, I would die. <laughs> yeah. Like if I'm at an amusement park, that's what I love doing. But it's not like I gotta go to a music park to ride Like I, I am so high strung and my anxiety is so high that I'm pretty sure if I got on a roller coaster, my heart would literally explode in my chest. That's funny. Like legit, I, I, I'm convinced I would die if I rode a roller coaster. I feel the same way about flying. Now, see, I got a guy that was right behind me here. He's got his pilot license. Uh, decent friend of mine. Every now and then, I'll go up with him. Like if he's going on like a trip somewhere for, I actually do marketing for this company. Uh-huh. So if, if they're going somewhere, like he he does restaurant supply, like design and builds, like schools, airports, like food court shit like that all over the country. Nice. But he was tired of flying to all these different places, paying for commercial flights. So he just got his fucking pilot's license. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So then he, if he has to, he just rents a fucking plane and goes by himself. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to another Muse and Notes edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On this episode, we're talking about the late-breaking page news, the potential of an Undertaker-John Cena match, news out of India, and a very special guest as we talk some Impact Wrestling. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. 
You can find the show on Twitter at HDMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined as always alongside the flying Brian to my stunning Steve, RBV, Huckleberry number one. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me, said R to Z to V. Rick Vickery here, and I'll tell you what, brother. I am trying to survive like, the storm of the century here in northern Ohio. Uh, we're getting snow out the wazoo, but I am pumped and excited to be here heading Mark's Pro Wrestling Podcast. we got a lot of hot topics. I'm especially looking forward to our main man, our boy, a huge supporter of the show, Brian K. Bowman of the GorillaPosition.com. He's going to be joining us on the backside to talk all things impact what an exciting week for that promotion yeah i think there, i think there's going to be some good conversation comes out of that that everybody's going to want to listen to is uh we, we we get in touch with somebody who knows just about all the ongoings that could be ongoing behind the scenes at impact wrestling ryan's got definitely got the hookup when it comes to that but we did have some other uh notes that we wanted to talk about here uh originally this wasn't on the run but we've had this page news break in the last 24 hours uh evidently page is done as far as an in-ring competitor with wwe uh i have heard this confirmed by multiple sources at this point does not sound at all like it's a work the age of 25 it sounds like her in-ring career is over you were talking about breaking news here i mean the internet pretty much it exploded when this news dropped yesterday Everybody wanted to get their takes out there. Everybody wanted to share the story. In some ways, it reminded you know reminded me going back to before TLC, when the locker room, when everyone was dropping off the cart. Yeah, uh, you had Roman and Wyatt, and they didn't know who was going to be able to make the show. They were scrambling to find replacements. I mean, it it kind of it was of that magnitude. You know, people were really worked up over this. You know, a lot of people showing sympathy toward towards Paige. It was the uh, number know, four trend in the country. At one point yesterday. Wow. Like I said, you know, a lot of people, you know, showing sympathy towards Paige. Some people taking it, tough people taking a jab at it. I only would say, you know what, I, I had a little bit of fun, fun with it myself, but hey, you know, I, I didn't mean anything personal towards her, her there. And then you had a lot of people that immediately started attacking Sasha Banks. Yeah, I think if well. I'm Sasha Banks, I'm not logging into my uh, Facebook or Twitter for a couple of days. Man, people are hot at Sasha. Um, they, they are hot on her. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out for Sasha. It, it is. Um, if I was WWE, I would use this as an opportunity to turn Sasha heel and let everybody boo her because that's what everybody wants to do right now. I think it would be the best thing in the world for Sasha's character. Yeah, I know. I know we're going to dive into you know, potentially where you go forward storyline wise with this, you know, just after we really break down what this means for Paige and the WWE. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I could even go one step further. In you know, potentially we come out and see a double turn, yeah, where you can get some sympathy behind behind Paige and her crew, and put all that heat really on Sasha. And if you really need to give Sasha some some backup, then turn Mickey James and Bailey right along with her. I'm I'm wondering when it's going to come out. If this is a injury that was basically inevitable, that Paige wasn't healed as well as she had thought that she was if this is some kind of an ongoing condition exactly what the circumstances are here i think sasha's taking a lot of heat she doesn't need kind of like seth did when things went down with sting i mean the guy had spinal stenosis there's it was gonna happen regardless if it was a buckle bomb or not it, it was gonna happen 
what would the narrative be if Paige went over the top rope, hit the floor during the rumble, and suddenly she couldn't walk? I mean, if you really want to get down to brass tacks, I mean, this is kind of a blessing in disguise, too. Well, really going into this, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it a blessing in disguise. You know, every, all of our listeners out there, they also know that we are also part of the Hacker Hami Media Group, where every Mondays uh, we take control of the locker room for a wrestling talk podcast. But also over there in our group, you know, outside of pro wrestling, there's a lot of conspiracy talk. And while this story dropped yesterday, I just so happened to be listening to uh, Ben Hamin and his crew on the Conspiracy Horseman. And it kind of got the old, uh, the old mind rolling in a certain direction. But maybe, you know, there's a, there could be a lot more to this story than we have going on here. So right off the bat, you know, you're mentioning what if this would have happened in the Rumble? Maybe this is a precautionary to say, hey, you know what? Right now we're going to drop this to make sure she doesn't get in that Rumble to make sure that everything that we're throwing towards our quote-unquote women's revolution doesn't get sidetracked over a major injury because there has been a lot of question and doubt if these ladies can pull off an over-the-top match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you and I were both in that same category until we saw that women's battle royal down in NXT, and then we both kind of bought into the idea that, hey, maybe they can pull this off and have it be... Legitimate. I know they're 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 getting a ton of heat. Are they going to be able to take those bumps? Are they going to be able to work over the top? You and I were of that train of thought right up until we saw that battle royal next scene. It was one of the better. We both agreed one of the better battle royals we've seen in quite some time. I, I I'm fully on board now. I think they're going to be able to pull this off. Uh, there are different little tricks for some of the smaller girls that you're worried about, but I think they'll be fine. And, you know, as long as you're not really running someone out there. And trying to like duplicate like the Kofi spots. Yeah, the the people that I worry about are the Dana Brooks. You know, I'm I'm not worried about Sasha. I'm not worried about Bailey. I'm not worried about Mickey. I'm worried about the the girls that are the Carmellas and the Lanas and the Dana Brooks that we've all kind of been like they shouldn't even really be on the main roster to begin with, and now we're going to throw them into a Royal Rumble kind of situation. I think in the case with those with them too, and it might take away from the match. You're going to see a lot of curtain bumps. Yeah, but now you know not to dive so much into that. We'll cover that you know on future episodes and all this. But yeah, I really want to look at what. So what's next for Paige? I well, mean, let me. I got two more conspiracy things here, real quick. Oh, okay. The time. The timing of this is really weird to me with everything that they just recently came out and, and Triple H went to great lengths to explain with why, Dan, why Daniel Bryan will never step back in the ring. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Or, or, you know, they, she has been kind of on a short leash. She's been in a lot of trouble. She's caused a lot of bad PR towards the company while she was away. Well, we got two wellness uh, failures, correct? Yeah, we have all the tabloid bullcrap going on when with her and El Patron. Yeah, she's probably not viewed in the most positive of ways throughout the company. We've heard a lot of experts on the inside that even question why they would bring back such a liability, and you know a lot of that just points to well, you've got the you got the movie based around her life with Seven Bucks, which is affiliated with that's Rock's company. Yep, so they have to keep everything going there. This could be a very easy, clean break for WWE to break ties with her, get rid of her without them being the bad guy whatsoever. 
Well, I, I agree with you. Number one, I think that's absolutely an option here. I think the other option is you just keep her around. I mean, she's under contract for at least another, basically the better part of two years. It seems to me it's the end of 2019 is when her contract finally comes up. So if she can work everything other than in the ring, I think we turn Paige into the modern day Sherry Martell. Ooh, that's a very intriguing, intriguing pitch right there, brother. Uh, I tell you, right on the surface, I am I am one hundred percent down with that, and I do agree with you. There is when she even came back. You know, we each questioned what her shelf life was, but when she came back, you know, there is still star power with her. Yeah, I, I am not a Page fan. Her. I'm not a Page fan. I am fine with Page never being on my television ever again. I'm completely okay with that. I think she's a terrible human being, but looking at it from a business aspect, Paige is still a star. Paige still gets a reaction from that crowd. You've got at least Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville that are begging like hell to get over, and they're never going to get over without Paige. I can guarantee you that. So you start off with Paige managing them, and then you branch out. I Look at what Zelina Vega has done for Andrade Cien Almas down in NXT. Let Paige do that for some struggling talent that we all want to see get over that's just not getting over. Like, could you imagine Paige as Dolph Ziggler's manager when Dolph comes back? I could see that. She's got all the personality in the world. She can be a she, mouthpiece. She, she does have the personality. Oh, she could be a mouthpiece, all right. We, we, we all know that. Yeah, we've seen video. But, but you're all right. You know, she... She does. She has that presence about her. She knows how to to work the system there. I mean, like out in front of the audience. And and, you, and you've got even the selling point built in there that she could she could control men at her at her whim. You know, she kind of she has that appeal about her. Yep. She can manipulate individuals. Uh, she could everything that you had a few years ago that you completely wasted with Lana. You could reinvent under an entirely new perception here yeah and rusev is a perfect example of somebody that i would like to see with page i obviously i wouldn't like to see rusev with page i want to see rusev with lana but that type but of talent kind of dynamic that dynamic. type of talent that's just waiting to break through to that next level i think page can be that missing part of the puzzle kind of like zelina vega has been for cn down in nxt uh, now, could you see, like, for the time being, while you wrap up everything here with absolution, uh, you know, as I kind of was throwing there, maybe a possible double turn, you really want to start mixing it up and, and diversify and add some storyline depth to this division. You could turn this where absolution, they start getting the sympathy as the babies. You put all that real heat on Sasha Banks, who, let's face it, no, she has been lost for a while. She is not built to be a baby face. She needs to be that heel character. She needs to stick to her guns in that heel character. My only thing is, my thought process is, if if you're going to use Paige as a manager, I think that you want to get her into a role as a male talents manager as soon as possible to get her removed from the women's division. Let's see, I would run. I would run what you've got through WrestleMania. Yeah, I would. I, I would that. wrap that up. I've never been a fan of just dropping a program. Well, does it even I, need to run through WrestleMania? I mean, is there anything left for Absolution after the Rumble? 
I, I would well because I well I think you could use it as a vehicle to really get heat on Sasha to really drive her up to really pump her up to like your top heel in that division. Uh, you need to do something else with Bliss. People are because like you have you've explained to me countless times, the total divas effect is backfiring on Bliss. People are losing interest in her as a heel. Because they see her in one light on the program, they see her in social media, they want to have sympathy, they want to relate to her. You know, the little bitchy bliss act isn't working anymore. Yep. You, you need to set up your new top heel. And I'd say what was kind of entertaining, uh, last Friday in the locker room, Ben and Stevie were talking about that, and I, I had heard this. No, it was actually on Russo's show last week. They were doing SmackDown, they were talking about this. And it was news to me. I guess there is actually some heat growing on Sasha Banks that she is becoming like a complete bitch towards fans, especially in the airports where news is even leaked that she refuses to smile during pictures in that. Yep. You know, so stop giving me the, this is her dream. Whoa, whoa, Eddie. I love him. This is everything I want to be act. Hey, if you want to be the bitch to the fans like that, then Hey, start doing it all around. Well, I think, I think one of the biggest issues with Sasha and Jersey puts this over to me. She's so good. She's so good. I don't care how good she is. Good at what? Oh, I see what you did there. It doesn't matter how good she may be inside the ring if she's a complete I mean, raging bitch backstage and doesn't play the politics game well. You can't be going on the Stone Cold podcast and bitching about how I want to do something other than tag matches. Guess what? You're doing tag matches for the next six fucking months. Shut the fuck up. Just do your goddamn job and shut the fuck up. Well, that's the problem. She's still, she's out there, she still thinks. That's why she, anytime she gets like in an interview, like on Stone Cold, you know, she's out there telling that story. Oh, I love this. this is what I want to do. And then, then we start getting this. Well, I'm more worried about my in-ring work. And those were the, the smarky, the most indie smarky answers that I've ever heard. Guess what? You're, you're in the WWE. You're not going to make this money. You're not going to make it anywhere else, honey. Yep. You need to buckle down, work on your character. That's what you need. And I'm sorry. She is not that great in the ring. She is very reckless at times. She tries to get all of her shit in. She needs, to, she needs to learn how to slow it down, use a character, and tell a damn story in that ring, and she will go much further in this business. I could replace Sasha Banks with every other woman on the roster and use that same criticism of every one of them. Every one oh, of exactly. them. Well, exactly. Well, because because all we do is push the women's division. We don't push individual talents. You're right. And that goes across the entire board, the entire division. The, vision. Uh, the only one that is semi-protected is Charlotte, and she's not even that protected. The only thing that saves her ass is her last name. Yep. Other if she that, wasn't she a flair, she would be just another woman on that roster. I, and, and, that's, and this really isn't a knock. There's some great talents in there. Charlotte's one of the was one of the best women's talents in the entire world. She's an amazing athlete. She has the build, the look, the style. But right now, the WWE narrative. They don't give a shit about that. Nope. Every one of you, them are interchangeable. You are interchangeable. You are cog in a machine. It's all about this perceived women's revolution and growing the Stephanie McMahon brand. Is there anybody else that pops off the page that you could yeah, see what I did? Pops <laughs> off the page that you would like to see Paige manage. Is there any talents that immediately click for you. Yeah. I would like to see Paige as their manager. The first one that comes to mind for me is Elias. And people will say Elias doesn't need a manager. Well, you know what? Neither did macho man. 
That one you'd have to. Con- that would take some convincing for me. I no, dude, would- this is so easy. You've got the rock and roll groupie with the rock and roll star. I could absolutely see that where she's the booker, the manager, and the promoter. But once she's out there, you know, Elias is a big dude. He's capable of handling himself. You know, there's not so a is Macho whole Man. Lot. I, but so you're just gonna have Paige stand there? I mean, it's it's that manager the val the, the position of valley and manager has evolved so much beyond what Elizabeth's role was. I mean, I'm was not talking fair. about Elizabeth. I'm talking about Macho Man with Sherry. Okay, well, so you want to completely turn Elias into? I want to turn him into the playing, egotistical was, rock star. But much of it was playing a very cowardly individual at those times. I just I, I see Elias as every he up. needs something, and I think Paige could be that something. I think Elias' problem is they're just holding him down because he's beginning to fly too high on his own. Uh, I guess I could be swayed there. I think I need to. I'm going to have to sit and think about that one. I I really do like your first suggestion. I, I think her and Dolph Ziggler would absolutely kill it. Yeah, I think that's a great one. I would absolutely love to see that dynamic. And and they both have the rocker thing going for them. They, they both got that kind of style. They seem like they would be like that reckless, wild couple that would just be out, you know, out to do get by with anything they can, out for the good time. It's Sex, about drugs, that, rock and roll, steal the show. That, that would be their gimmick right there. Yep. It would be perfect for him. I think she would pull, you know, she would fit that role better than any other female they've tried to pair with Dolph kind of in that setting. Well, I mean, AJ worked with Dolph. I, that's what I'm saying. I still think Paige works better. Even as with AJ worked in that spot, to me, this is like cranking that up to 10. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, Dolph was still the focal point, though. You know, make, make Paige be the one doing the talking. And Dolph just be the show off because Dolph Ziggler promos suck. And, you know, if we complain quite a bit about how individuals present themselves, you know, outside of the WWE programming narrative, you know, how they show themselves on social media, let these two, because we all know Dolph's a freaking playboy, man. Oh, man. Let these two run freaking wild. Yep. Let them go. Let them go. Uh, we also have uh, uh, breaking news that, you know, we've been reporting for the last four months. Uh, the Wrestling Observer now reports that we're going to get John Cena versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, if you remember, that's when I started Undertaker Watch 34, <laughs> which is like four months ago. I told you this match was going to happen. Um, I think this is by far the money match, though, right? I mean, if, you, if you're going to get one more match out of Undertaker... This is the match. I, I completely agree. And, you know, it's getting a lot of heat online from fans. And I guess it's probably more of the, you know, the circles we run in with your smarter fan. You know, they constantly go to, you know, why are they giving this to two seemingly part-timers? Undertaker needs to go. You know, they, they John Cena should be putting over a younger talent. In this scenario, that is not the case whatsoever. This is, if Taker wants to come back, they're going to give him the option. The seeds were laid for this match during the Roman Reigns-John Cena feud. And they, we've they been started, saying since then, they that's started the teasing match. It. They started teasing it. You know, it's been rumored to be one of uh, on Vince's short list for how many WrestleManias now. Yep. 
You know, going back to almost 30, correct? Yeah, I, going back to when Brock broke the streak. Yeah, that would have been 30. Uh, it's been on yeah, 30. the rumor to be on his short list. And they're one of those dream matches that he wants to have Undertaker be a part of before he goes out. Now, I do understand, you know, some people that say, you know, that last year's match was bad. Uh, what about the, the awesome visual at the end with him leaving the hat and the gloves and walking off? Well, let's, let's face it. You know, in reality, it wasn't a good match. And Taker probably went back and said, you know what? I'm not going out like that. I think people are just so fond of the way Shawn Michaels walked away. That he had that match, he lost, and he walked away. And he's explained why he has never come back. He, he had that interview on the Sam Roberts broad, uh, broadcast right around WrestleMania this year that they offered him the AJ Styles match. And Sean refused because why would I do that? Either I'm going to beat AJ and it kills AJ, or AJ is going to beat me and it ruins my legacy. Why do I want to do that? And I think Undertaker is now at this point where fans are just like, you're tarnishing your legacy. Just stay gone. It should have ended after Lesnar, man. It should have ended after Lesnar. Look, I, everyone can go back and say, you know, should have, but it didn't. So at this point, and when you look back when Sean walked away, he got an incredible match. You know, it's one that people remember about his career. But the question is, is Undertaker ever going to have that match? I think the closest you're going to get to it with anyone to send him out here is John is Cena. Going to, is going to be John Cena. And I think the other part of that is how many people do you trust in the ring with the Undertaker at this point? I uh, think that probably, absolutely plays into this. For the magnitude of the match and the people you trust, it's a very short list. There's one person on it. Yep, and it's John Cena. Uh, possibly, possibly two. Maybe you've entertained the idea of Kane, correct? I have entertained the idea. Of, I, th I feel like, you know, it, to come to a story conclusion, I would love to see Kane and Undertaker go out together or at least to have... Kane in the ring as the undertaker finally makes his final exit. Even if they do that at raw the night after I would be okay with that. But I just, I, I, the money matches John Cena, but the, the logical conclusion to the story would be Kane. And you know, to, to go to Cena here real quick, I know a lot of fans were clamoring for, Oh, you know, what about Joe? And this was before anything came up with the injury. We are assuming he will be back for the WrestleMania run. Well, what about Joe? What about someone along that lines? Why doesn't Cena put someone over? Yeah, but you could do that at any show. Well, and the, and the most important thing with that is you need to have a part-timer coming back for a part-time schedule on a build to WrestleMania or something like this. It's not gonna, it doesn't have the same effect as just going out there on the big stage and, and losing that match to him. For Cena to put someone over and make, make it mean something, it has to become a personal personal or even push it to a blood feud and you need Cena there damn near every week to help progress that story. Yep. I, and I know you weren't, and I absolutely could not stand the program with him and Roman Reigns, but they did make it personal. And some people were eating that up and Cena was there to push the story along. So it meant something in the long run. If it just would have been an announcement, Cena shows up once or twice. That's, that's it. It wouldn't have had the same impact. You're going to need Cena to be around. From the looks of things, he might not have that availability. You save that for a time where he has a slow period. Maybe you hold that up till the summer. You say, hey, man, we need you to, We need you hot. We need you to come in and get somebody over big time through the summer run for us. 
Then you bring him in for something along that lines. Cena here with the Undertaker, though, he can take the loss. Send Taker out on top. He's given, you know, he's given so much to the industry. He seems like one of, you know, they always say, go out on your back. We see rarely sometimes where they let the guy go out a winner. This would be a good time to do that. Cena can take the loss. Not only take the loss, he can turn it into a positive. He loses here, and you begin a one-year story where, you know, now Cena's thinking, man, I lost to Roman Reigns. I lost to Undertaker. You put, you put some seeds at that there, and you start a one-year story to build John Cena chasing number 17. Who does Cena take 17 from? Oh, man. You got anybody in mind? I think it's got to be AJ Styles. I think it's got to be. I mean, when I, when I look at John Cena's career and you look at it in, in waves, who, who was John Cena's greatest rival over the course of the years? Randy Orton, probably. You had that Orton era. Then you moved into the punk era. Now I feel like we're in the Styles era. And I think I, I completely agree with that. I love the suggestion there, brother. And I think right now where the company is, where all of wrestling is as a whole, you everyone kind of looks to Styles as that measuring point. You know, he is I think it's he is where you need to be. Yeah. He is you know, he is arguably the best in the world, and he's most certainly is the best you have available. You know the match I want to see, of course. Finn Balor. I want to see Finn Balor and John Cena. That's one that we haven't gotten yet. We've gotten Styles and and uh, Cena. We haven't gotten Balor and Cena yet. That's 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 a match that I still look forward to. Uh, the only way you make that work is if you actually get serious. He gets serious about himself. Stops all this childish behavior that you know turns so many people off to him. Uh, buckle down. Be, do something villainous. Be, build him up as a real heel. Build. Built the club is the most dominant freaking thing going. I mean, that's got to be John. It's got to be Vince McMahon's wet dream, right? John Cena takes down the Bullet Club to win his 17th World Heavyweight Championship. Like, that's they, that's got to be Vince McMahon's wet dream, right? If they could get past their own ego and build up, make sure you build up, build up. Like, whoa, wait a minute. These guys really are the baddest thing on the planet. Yeah, they, these guys are legit. Like if you if you say Balor wins the Rumble, you get Balor versus Styles at WrestleMania. Gallows and Anderson rob Styles of the title. Finn Balor becomes the WWE champion. Well, they still got that stupid rule in there. You got to challenge your brand. No, they don't. Do they? I yeah. haven't heard. I haven't heard them talk about that whatsoever. Yeah, that could be one of the things. I haven't heard them talk about it in a while. But that was one of the rules that they had mentioned. Hmm. Might have to, yeah, well, might have to dig out, out the rule book for that one. They actually came. Well, it's wrestling. You know, it's, the rule book's written in, in pencil. It is wrestling. It is wrestling. Speaking of wrestling and uh, things that kind of go with wrestling, the great Kali made some interesting comments the other day. Um, I'm not sure. Was it William Alessia that brought this story to our attention to begin with? Uh, but yeah, that's where I picked it up at. Actually, I don't even go to the sheets anymore. Uh, if you need all the all the news you can use uh, and involved with some great conversation with some of the most intriguing personalities and, and brightest minds that I know, you know, jump on Facebook, head on over to the Hameen Media Discussion Group. I don't even go to the sheets anymore because William's posting so much news 
It's all right there. Yeah, we for don't him. have to. We don't have to. He, <laughs> yeah. bring, he, he brings the news to us. We don't even have to go looking for it. He's basically an have... unpaid intern at this point. And it's really, he pretty much, uh, he covers, like if you have your favorite page out there, ProWrestling.com, any of the other, there's so many other ones there. You know, usually fans jump around from page to page to page. You don't even have to do that with Will. He collects it all. He got all, He has all the tweets, the Instagram, everything from the sheets, everything from the biggest podcast out there. He brings it to you. You know, I, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate his, his contributions over there. But, but yeah, he, he was the one that had posted the story, the interview with Kali talking about WWE's expansion into India or should we say failed? Failed expansion into India. Uh, this comes to us via the new India or new Indian express.com. Sounds like a, a fine website. Um, Kali makes some comments in here, and I wonder how much is kind of lost in translation here, because obviously this was given to an Indian paper. The entire thing was in Punjabi. Um, when I read this, I felt like he was taking a shot at Jinder Mahal. That was very much the impression I got when, when I first read this. Uh, here is the quote from the, the great Kali. The future of wrestling is very bright, and it can be better if handled in a better way, like if a coach is provided or if the facility of ground is given. The mentality of the Indian sportsmen is very weak. Many of them depend upon drugs. They feel that the consumption of drugs will help in enhancing their performance and will help them in clinching a medal. They receive too much love after winning a medal, and they forget to concentrate on sports. Now, this is also inside of an interview where he talks a little bit about his WWE career, and he says, The WWE has failed in India. They thought that they would use the great Kali fully and then leave him. But I have been trying hard for long to leave WWE, but they kept on offering me contract. Finally, in 2014, I have decided I will leave once again my contract ends, and I will not work with them ever again. Then I came back and opened CWE in Punjab, which is doing well. I don't even know what the hell the last half of that quote means because we literally just saw the great Kali a couple of months ago. Well, I, I tell you, for, you know, on the surface, you are correct, man. This does seem kind of like, you know, as you read through it, maybe, maybe he's a little bitter towards that gender is now the replacement as their connection into India. And especially the way he kept bringing up drug use. I was, and I even said to you, I was like, man, do you, do you feel like he's talking about gender Mahal directly here? And then you did some, some digging into some, uh, Indian doping. Yeah. Like, so you know, my first thing was, oh man, you know, that is, that is kind of a low blow there, but Hey, you know, he was talking about, maybe he's talking about the whole, you know, the, the Indian population and their whole mindset in general. So a quick search here. This is pretty astounding. Uh, since to, to, uh, let's see here. Since 2009, the National Anti-Doping Agency, who's involved with you know Olympic-style competition and all that, since 2009, 687 Indian athletes have been banned from competition. That's an insane number to me. Like, do we have anything that we can compare that to whatsoever? Uh, let's see. An alarming number of 687 athletes have been banned 
for doping-related offenses since January 1st, 2009, an average of 100 athletes being banned every year as per the NADA records. Wow. Wow. That is just a crazy amount of people. Uh, in just the, like in the, tw- in the uh, 2012 games, they had 176. It kind of makes you wonder just what is going on with Jinder Mahal. It, it very much intrigues me as to like, what does the great Kali think of Jinder Mahal? I, I, don't they, I know they were partnered up on television. And they and they were dubbed as you know they were some kind of relative. I think there is some kind of link between the two, though. Hmm. I'm not uh, sure. Now, but you know now we we don't know any personal you know information between the two. I, I can't recall any stories uh, of any heat or you know anything of them working together on certain things. Well, and I don't think this is reserved just for Jinder Mahal either, because I have seen some talk over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group that uh, it looks like the Singh brothers might be on the uh, Triple H diet, too. They have definitely put on some uh, body mass since uh, debuting on the main roster. Maybe this is just an Indian cultural thing. That's what I'm saying there, you know. They are a bit behind, you know, they are a bit behind the times. It's probably an easy, it's easy to push those substances there. You know, if you want to catch up to all these other amazing athletes around the world, here's how you get by these. I'm sure in-house in India, they probably have the most relaxed of testing policies and systems. They probably get anyone that's over there that's involved in, you know, professional athletics. It's probably quite easy to acquire, use, and maintain using these without any repercussions. Yeah, yeah. India absolutely seems like that market. And you say, you know, they are a bit behind the times over there. Yeah, they're typically about, you know, 20, 25 years behind the times over there. And I'm not saying that to sound like a dick. That's just the logics of it. If you think back to American sports about 20, 25 years ago, yeah, that shit was running crazy. Now I found a, I found a couple, couple interviews here with a quick search uh, where Mahal has been on record for quite some time saying that he and Kali are very good friends. Uh, he said he's like an older, that Kali is like an older brother to him. So from all indications from, from this side, from Mahal's side, that they do have a good relationship. So I, maybe this has nothing to do with Mahal at all. Maybe we're just reading too much into it, man. This is just a, a general issue with Indian athletes, with the athletes and their culture. Something to keep an eye on. It's definitely interesting. Hey, maybe that explains, uh, triple H's, you know, his stance on why he went over there because everyone loves him. That would explain everything. Wouldn't it? That would explain everything. No wonder Triple H is such a huge cultural star in India. Of course. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense now. See, and now Rick has justified why Triple H won in India. Man, every time it comes up, I think we find new reasons. There's always another reason. 
Why, why Triple H is going over. Uh, so we do have a couple of signings that we wanted to discuss here before we get out of the way and uh, p- kick things over to our friend, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. Um, there's been some signings and some departures. And to me, for, for me, the most interesting of all of these has got to be the WWE finally signing Candice LeRae. You know, at first glance on this, you know, my, my initial take was it's about damn time. Yeah. 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 Like you would have think that this would have been done like before they even started the May young classic. Yeah. You know, she's been doing spots with the company. Uh, she's been working. She's worked at multiple NXT tapings. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And I think she's time, done three or four now. And every time that she's involved, biggest she pop of the night gets the biggest pop of the night. And, you know, it might be the crowd that, you know, that they're, that they're playing to down there. But hey, she does got great appeal. You know, she's got that that sweet, innocent girl next door look. And on top of that, she can flat out go in the ring. My biggest fear here is that they signed Mrs. Gargano and not Candice LeRae. That's my biggest fear. Like worst case scenario, I'm afraid they signed Mrs. Gargano and that they're just bringing Candice in for this entire Ciampa thing. And they're going to basically reduce her to a valet. I hope I'm wrong. So she'll just become like a bit player in a much larger story. Role. Yep. It's just the timing. That's the only thing that really throws me off. It's the timing right before Johnny goes for the NXT title, right about the same time that we know chomp is going to be coming back soon. We already know that Candace is involved in this storyline because they all used to be roommates together after Ciampa brutally assaulted Johnny. All the updates were coming from Candace Candace and Ciampa have went back and forth on Twitter a couple of times when they were throwing Ciampa out of the apartment. So she's already part of this narrative. I'm, that's, it's the timing that scares me more than anything. Well, then even see, you know, to tie it more into the storyline, you know, Gargano's getting ready to, you know, to challenge, as you said, for the NXT championship. And the champion's advantage over there is one Vega. Yep. So you how do you come counter at this, that? Num- yeah, you, you counter it. You could come at this a number of different angles of why she gets involved. And that's my biggest fear. I'm hoping that they signed Candice LeRae and not Mrs. Johnny Gargano. Now, thinking about the story, though, they come to us, me and you, or we're doing our poolside booker for NXT. They come to us and say, yep, that's how you're using her. Despite our objections, nope, this is what you're doing. You guys want your job? Then you're doing this. Write it. You really could heat up that feud by including her. I would have worker. She I is. would have Tommaso Ciampa whip Candice LeRae's ass because Candice can take it. I just don't know if they'll go there. <laughs> I, I'm thinking. I think it would be just so. I mean, you really want to set this off, take this feud to the next level. I mean, it's it already should be the feud of the year as we're if we're sitting here in 2019 talking, looking back at 2018. This is going to have to be, if something's terribly wrong, if we're not talking about this for a year from now, you really want to set this thing off. You know, you have Gargano so close to winning that NXT championship. He's got it within his grasp. Out comes Jaffa and ends up, you know, maybe he pulls out, he brings Candice out, pulling her by her hair, grabs her at ringside, whatever, and puts her through the announce table. Yeah, you... You talk just about like I mean you work. You want an old school violent reaction? We 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 end up in the same place. Although I would do it differently because I would have Johnny win the championship 
at the NXT TakeOver Philly, have Ciampa come out, steal his moment, leave Gargano in a puddle of blood. Candice comes out to break it up. Ciampa leaves her fucking laying too. That's that's the narrative I would go with. I, I guess I just, from, from my viewpoint, I don't think, I think it survives on its own with the personal animosity and the, just the blood feud. I would keep the title elsewhere. I like the title at all. You know, I like what they're doing with him and Vega. Really interested to see what they do with Candice because I, I could see Candice LeRae versus whoever the women's champion is come WrestleMania takeover. Well, another, well, outside of, you know, even if she is part of this program and then they, and she does hang on to be, you know, to get involved in the women's division and all that. What really worries me is, you know, going forward, as we were talking about earlier when we were on the page topic and, and started talking about the women's divisions, they sign up these amazing talents like this. And, and all these, you know, indie fans, they get overly excited. Oh, this is it, man. This product, the WWE product's going to pick up. They can come in here and change it. No, they're, they're not buying those styles. They're buying those names so you follow them, and then they mold them into the WWE cook, cookie-cutter style. Yep. You know, one thing I would love to see, I would love to see is Candice LeRae versus Zelina Vega. If that's how they finally get Zelina in the ring, because that girl can go too. Oh, I think that would, that would be a tremendous matchup. I would love to see that matchup. Would love to see that. We also got some other signings here that we need to talk about. Uh, What about Ricochet? How do you feel about Ricochet? Well, it looks like uh, he is wrapped up, right? Yep. He, uh, he gave his farewell speech at PWG last night. When do you expect him to be available to? Uh... I think he's available to sign immediately. As far as I know, uh, his okay. 90 days with Lucha underground is up now. Did he, is he gone through? So he's already signed. Isn't he? I believe he was just, so. Yes. Yeah. You, you're correct. He's already got through his physical. He has signed. He was just finishing updates. Man, what an exciting name to come into the company. I think, I know at one time we had, we had talked and hoped about this, this coming in. You, was it you the pitch that he'd go right to 205? I would send him straight to 205. I am just so worried about how damaged that brand is. Oh, I, I completely agree. I completely I agree he, with you. I think he gets, I think he gets more experience. As, as weird as it sounds, because 205 has time on Raw, I think he gets better better and more exposure in NXT, spend some time there before he goes to 205. If they want Ricochet to be a star, if they want Ricochet to go to the main roster and be used on the main roster like they've used a Finn Balor, I think Ricochet needs at least two years in NXT. At least. Ricochet, it, Ricochet is one of the most talented kids I have ever seen in my freaking life. But he's got a lot to learn when it comes to psychology, when it comes to cameras, when it comes to not getting all your shit in. Slow it down. He's an athletic freak. Yeah. Who needs to either learn and fine tune the true mechanics and, and traditional values of professional wrestling. Yep. And I feel the same way about Will Ospreay. I mean, it, 
incredible talent. I would love to see him go spend six weeks with Rip Rogers, you know, and just have Rip just explain the facts of life to him and how professional wrestling works rather than professional gymnastics. You've pointed out to me before, I believe, you know, even learning with Ricochet, he really has to learn how to work without that mask. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't emote very well at all. Whether it's from a promo perspective, whether it's from a body language perspective, like he can sell the shit out of a move to his ribs, but when you look at his face, you don't think it hurts. So as you're saying, no, it's going to take maybe a slow burn with him. He's coming in. He's going to be available here shortly. Would you hold off till post WrestleMania before like letting spend some real time at the performance center? I Like I said, if you want Ricochet to be a star, if you don't want him to be a 205 Live guy, if you want him to be a main roster talent star, I think he needs at least two years in NXT. Take your time with him. Yep. That and good guy. Could you imagine Ricochet versus Adam Cole? My God. I, my first thought was, you know, maybe those two at, at NXT or at TakeOver Mania. But I, I completely agree with you. He needs the time. You know, maybe maybe you save that match until to SummerSlam takeover, yeah. and then that's when you really start gearing up Ricochet to be that that head that head honcho of NXT for a good you know year and a half. Hopefully, by that time, Adam Cole is the NXT champion. That's what I hope. Well, I would say you know that'd be kind of like your passing of the torch in NXT. Well, and and Adam Cole keeps saying, "I'm going to be your next NXT champion." I'm going to be your next NXT champion, which leads me to believe Johnny Gargano is going to take this title. That's that's what, where I'm going with that, because Adam Cole versus CN, that does nothing for me. Um, any other signings that you want to talk about? I know that we have a couple big impact signings that we're going to talk about on the other side with uh, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. Any other signings that you wanted to talk uh, about? You know, I know, you know we have we War Machine about. coming in. And I don't think... We've talked about them. God We've knows how many times. Well, hey, man, I, I will t- how about the one big signing? It's not WWE. It might be the biggest signing in all professional wrestling. Kenny Omega has re-upped with New Japan. Oh, uh, I was afraid you were going to bring up Kenny Omega on this show. Um, I had a revelation about Kenny Omega the other day. Kenny Omega is Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I'm I'm being quiet and let that kind of sit in for a I, second. I know. I was just I was just gonna you know let let that kind of sit in so that uh, he is Jinder so Mahal. People can start typing their outrage towards you. Yes, yes. Send all of your hate mail to not Jargo on Twitter. Um, here's the thing about Kenny Omega, and I love Kenny Omega. I'm a huge mark for Kenny Omega. We all know that, right? But we keep saying that Kenny Omega is the key to the American expansion. He's the key to the American expansion. Why, why do they have to expand to America? We railed on the WWE forever. Why do we have to expand to India? Why do we need to do this Jinder Mahal thing? I'm sick of Jinder Mahal. Get the goddamn title off of Jinder Mahal. We don't need to go to India. India is going to be a miserable failure. How do you suppose the Japanese fans feel about Kenny Omega? How do you suppose the Japanese fans feel about expanding into the United States? I guess this is an interesting take here, brother. And I can't say that, that I disagree with you at all. You know, stepping back, and I've been guilty of it myself. You know, I've seen, you know, as they, their great expansion 
You know, they need these types of talents. And even at Wrestle Kingdom, I, mean, I even mentioned to you, I was surprised they didn't have more of the Western legends in there. Yep. If, if they're trying to expand. I guess it's the selfish mindset that everyone needs us to, to you know, to measure themselves up to if they're, ex, you know, successful or not. Yep. Yeah, I had this revelation the other day, and I just, I was just like, oh, my God, Kenny Omega is Jinder Mahal. And I kind of felt sick, you know? <laughs> but when you really think about it, yeah. Uh, stamp it, dude. Title of the episode. Oh. Kenny Omega is Jinder Mahal. If we do not hit some kind of benchmark for listens just for that statement. <laughs> Again, please send all hate mail to at not Jargo on Twitter. Hey, you know, if you if you really if anybody out there listen, if you got any bit of logic to you and you and you listen to the way that Jargo has laid this out here, it makes perfect sense. I mean, who the hell says that for New Japan to be successful, that they need all this Western expansion? We rail on the WWE for not paying attention to its core audience. And now we're expecting New Japan to ignore their core audience and push Kenny Omega to the freaking moon, you know? Well, and it's and, like, it's not about us. And and to further that, if you're a traditional, if, you, if you're a New Japan fan, you, you are a traditional New Japan fan. Yeah. You love everything about the culture. How much is it going to start pissing you off when they start incorporating more sports entertainment style? Exactly. Because they feel they need to do that to sell that to you know, familiarize themselves with the Western fans. I would rather they not ruin New Japan Pro Wrestling by turning it into New Japan Sports Entertainment. Hey, we, we live in an age where as long as, the, as long as a product is out there, you can go get it. There's so many avenues and sources for you to go, to go as a consumer to go purchase whatever you want, to go find whatever you would like. There's no need for them to come to your doorstep anymore. And and it was our argument against this Jinder Mahal thing from the beginning. Well, it was my argument anyway, that they don't need an Indian star to get into the product. They just need a good freaking product. The American audience is getting turned on to New Japan, not because of Kenny Omega. We're getting turned on to New Japan because of the product as a whole, because of Okada, because of NATO, and because of Omega. All of this, this entire rant, by the way, it has been announced. Kenny Omega has resigned with New Japan Pro Wrestling through next year. Uh, but once again, it's a one-year deal. It's a one-year deal. Why won't Kenny sign a five-year deal? I don't. Th- are they are they offering him one? I we have no That's idea. Not, we have I, no I, idea. Well, is, is it is it their practice to do so? I mean, I was always in the impression, unless you're like a real, real like an Okada. You're not getting that long term. Yeah, they like that is true. Their deals year by year. That correct? Yep, that is true. But you know, the the problem becomes this narrative, because every November we start talking about Kenny Omega being in the Rumble. Because every year we know his contract is coming up in January. And that's and that's not necessarily good for business. But you know, as and people fear that if Omega were to leave, that that's the end. New Japan's not expanding anymore. Yeah, you all thought that about when Styles left too. And you all thought that when Balor left too. You know? Well, hey, man. Hey, to toot my own horn, I did mention to you a couple episodes ago. I can't remember exactly what show we were on. 
And even, you know, the question that some fans were out there, I, and you just presented it to the show because you've seen it in conversation. If he does leave, what does this do to New Japan? And I said, I guarantee they have a smart enough business model that anyone walks out that the Western fans are familiar with, they got someone that can plug right in, replace it, and they keep on rolling. And the way that they have built it up at this point, are they selling 5,000 tickets because of Kenny Omega? Or are they selling 5,000 tickets because of New Japan Pro Wrestling? And at this point, I think it's more about New Japan Pro Wrestling than it is about Kenny Omega. I think there's a bigger movement here at work than just, oh, that guy's white. We like him. Well, you know, you know, outside of outside of because what really irritates me sometimes with WWE, because, you know, it is about their main brand. They don't they don't really want to build super individual superstars anymore or mega stars. You know, it's, everyone falls under the category of a, their superstar at New Japan. I, I believe, you know, they do have some stars that stand out. And I think the, the ones that are up there, they are buying tickets to see. I just don't think a lot of those tickets are being moved because of Kenny Omega. You know, they're being moved because of the, like the top groups, like your, your chaos or, you know, your Arcada. LIJ. You know, yeah. Yep. So another year of debating, you know, when is Kenny it's, coming? It's nice to have your groups like Bullet Club that look attractive and sexy to everyone else outside of that. But at their core, how important really are they? LIJ is the biggest group by far, especially and in Japan. And they're catching on in the States. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the last show I went to. LIJ merch. Yep. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about on this episode, because Rick said that he had until about quarter after the hour, and there's about four minutes until then. The fashion police and the Ascension trading entrances. And then you wanted to go into this protecting character and burying yourself. And I got no issue with this, Rick. None whatsoever. Oh, we're going to throw this down here. I thought we were going to save this for <laughs> Monday in the locker room. Uh, but yeah, we could do this right here. We could do this right now before, before we can kick it over to Ryan. I, I, this actual, this video between these guys, and if those of you who haven't seen it, what they did is you have, you know, you've had the Ascension, you've had the Fashion Police or Brizongo. They are buddy, buddy. Uh, what they've done is they have switched roles and they do each other's entrances, correct? Yeah. So you have Fondango and Tyler Breeze doing Connor and Victor's entrance. And then you have Connor and Victor dressing up as the fashion police and doing their entrance. And at first, when you first hear that, you go, oh my God, RIP kayfabe. No, I I have, I really don't have a problem with this because it works in their characters. Yeah. It's part of the story arc. My problem is with relating this about how you protect your characters, how you ruin yourself and end up in spots where you don't want to be, or you don't think your, your favorite talent should be. Once you are perceived, if you are perceived as a badass. And you go start doing this bottom of the barrel comedy shit. You're not getting back up to the top of the food chain. You've cut your legs off from under you, under yourself. So that's the conversation that we're going to have on Monday. That's what we'd like to call a tease, ladies and gentlemen. I know I'm 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 so mean. I'm so evil. Hey, we, we got to cut it. We got to cut it short though, because hey, we got a very special guest coming up. With what, what is a very hot topic in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to kick it over to a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Mr. Ryan K. Bowman of TheGorillaPosition.com giving us all the skinny that is Impact Pro Wrestling. Or, no, Impact Pro Wrestling is a company based out of Des Moines, Iowa. It's just Impact Wrestling. We'll be right back. Something happened. 
At this time, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest. He is the feature writer at OneWrestling.com, a contributing writer at the Miami Herald. We're talking, of course, about our dear friend, the editor-in-chief at TheGorillaPosition.com, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always good to talk to you, too. Ryan, always a pleasure having you on with us. Uh, How you been, my friend? Oh, I'm trying to stay warm. You know, the Midwest, we got hit with the ice storm, the dreaded ice storm. And uh, so we're all hunkered down and watching a lot of wrestling. I so say you're, you're talking to two fellow uh, Midwesterns here. We, we all know what, what you're going through. I think what's hit you guys last couple days, I'm experiencing that here in Ohio now. Uh, we got a little break going on, but we're supposed to get, I think this storm was calling anywhere from like 15 to 20 inches that was supposed to hit us coming off the lake. So See, we just got, we got the ice. Yes. You got the snow. Yeah, we, we missed out on the ice. I guess that's a blessing in disguise, I guess. I, I kept plenty warm. I was wrapped up in my uh, 100% cotton, thegorillaposition.com blanket. So I was uh, I was snuggled up and, and watching TV last night and, and staying far, far away from the cold. Where, where do I get me one of them blankets? I saw We're yours. You got the nice big picture of it. Yeah, the giant one. Yeah, that was a Christmas gift, actually. But yeah, we are. We're actually going to expand and, and have some more gear and some more stuff. Uh, that that's in the uh, Michael Melkor range of things right now on that side of the family. So uh, my partner's working up on that stuff for 2018. Well, maybe Rick can take him out and treat him real nice again. Well, so you guys do have a you guys do have your store over at Pro Wrestling Tees, though, correct? If somebody wants to go over and pick up a the thegrillposition.com t-shirt. Yeah, and we'll be adding a couple more designs here in the next two months, I think. Well, I've got somebody working on a couple things for me, so we're, <coughs> we're hitting more Pro Wrestling podcast t-shirt. <clears throat> yeah yeah oh absolutely absolutely i forgot we gotta we got to get the family the whole family reunion you know the you go to the family reunions and everybody got the shirt printed up we'll have to have the gorilla position one with with the uh with you guys podcast on there as well we'll do like the double t-shirt i just want i just want a t-shirt that has rick's face on it that says that's my huckleberry <laughs> i think we could do that we'd probably sell more of those than anything so let's talk about impact wrestling uh, Ryan has the uh, inside scoop on some of these. Uh, first of all, before we really jump in too far, this is the first uh, set of tapings with uh, Lord Cyrus and uh, the coach at the helm. How do you feel about this regime change? I, it's another regime change. Like, is this the same old impact or is it actually going to be something cool this time? Yeah, I always say it's a company that's had, you know, more facelifts than Joan Rivers had. I mean, it, it's just constantly we're washing everything off. We're going to change a name. We're going to change a logo. Here's a bird. Here's a plane. Whatever they've got, they're coming up with something to try to be different. At this point, I, I, I was very uh, upbeat about the fact that Don Callis was going to be involved. He's a guy that I've always thought should have been in some sort of management role. He's brilliant. He's a very smart guy. He understands the business. Scott Demore, very good at developing talent. So I had a, a very good vibe going in. We had the press conference this week. Hearing them speak made me feel good about what their vision was. 
and I've heard nothing but great reviews from the people that were down there. So I hate to sound like an impact, Mark, but uh, uh, hopefully this is a chance that they are finally turning the corner. I'll say, you know, I, I listened back to the conference call you were on. Uh, thank you. Thank you for posting that over on the grillization.com. I was listening back there, and I really thought that, that Cyrus had the perfect answer when asked, you know, kind of asked this question, you know, why should we buy in now? What's the difference from every other time? you know, every other group that's come in here and made us promises. And he kind of took a step back and he said, you know what? We do have to treat this like a failing football program. Uh, we're, we're coming in as most new coaches come in and they promise you the world. He came and said, you know, we're realists. We realize that we have a lot of hard work ahead of us. And the number one goal is to get a, a presentable product that people want to buy into. It seems like they got the right mindset. Yeah, and I think the other part of it is <clears throat> changing that perception is uh, there has been kind of a rudderless ship ever since the, the the situation happened with Jeff Jarrett. And even going into Bound for Glory, which was supposed to be their really big show, it, it was like, hey, OK, we were doing a really big thing here at Bound for Glory. And then there was no steam coming off of it. They were trying to get people into the building. Uh, I, I think what uh, what I got out of Callis and Demore was we've got a long term plan. Um, we're not going to just throw everything out there here. We're not going to bring this guy in. We're not going to bring that guy in just to get the quick pop. They sound like they want to do it the old school way and just do it month by month by month. And I think their fan base, what's left of it, they'll grow with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's really where impact is at. Like the goal of impact for 2018 should be that we're sitting here talking about the impact champion and who the impact champion is going to be facing at their next upcoming big show, not who is the management and is the company failing? Is the company going to make it to the next set of tapings? Cause that was the narrative all of 2017. That's what right. really needs to change. The wrestling was secondary, sadly, and there were some good matches in impact and they brought in some good talent and you had all the outside distractions were the story you're right of 2017 whether it was the thing with adr when he got in the trouble with page and 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 you know you just made this guy the face of the franchise and he's out uh jared you've put everything behind him he's out um i really think at least with demore and callus again callus has said he doesn't want to be on television he thinks the authority figure thing is played out uh demore has never been a guy that's been uh, real happy to be in front of the camera. He doesn't really do it unless necessary. So I think we may get a different vibe to where we're not even really talking about management at all, either on screen or off screen. And for impact, like you said, that'll be a great thing. I just, I really, really hope that we're not talking about the next impact management change by WrestleMania. You know, like it almost feels like to use Rick's analogy of the failing football team, this has been the failing football team that fires their new coach come about week four. They don't even let them get through the season. You know, hopefully six months from now, we can still talk about Don Callison's got Demore in this role and that they haven't just moved on to something else because it didn't work right now. Yeah, um, or as you said, hopefully we're talking about, Hey, uh, the championship is in a hot angle and can't wait for the next pay-per-view and, you know, and the, who the management is, is an afterthought. So what do you want to go to, Rick? Do you want to go to the actual tapings themselves? Do you want to talk about the conference call? Where do you want to go here? Well, I guess we can kind of um, we can kind of just sprinkle in the you know items from the conference call throughout some of our our questions here as we, we run through and, and try to lay out to the listeners out there and the fans what they can expect going forward here with Impact. 
you know, one of the big questions I had just to kind of open this thing up is, Ryan, what did, what did you make of, and also you, Jargo, what did you guys make of Impact stooging off some of their own spoilers? Because when are we actually going to see these tapings take place? We still got quite a few weeks, right, of what they had uh, on the books still to come. So we're not looking at seeing this new product for another month or so. And they're already giving away, you know, title changes and talent that are appearing. It was kind of a peculiar. I they're guess, angle in to such go at a it. weird position because you, it's like, do you hype what's on TV? Do you hype the tapings? Do you hype the management change? Like here, we're going to go to a four-sided ring, and then that night, the new episode airs, and it's the six-sided ring, and it, it's just everything is in such a state of flux. It's a chaotic mess. In a lot of ways, it could turn out to be a smart move because stop and think. If you know it's the episode that Aries is going to win the title, you know why? Why wouldn't you tune in and just maybe watch it if you're an Impact fan? At the same time, if I'm the network, if I'm if I'm Pop, I'm thinking, well, you you're jeopardizing potentially jeopardizing viewers by giving it away. So you're in a, you're in kind of this twilight zone because you also in the back of your mind have to know everybody's going to know anyway. Right. We're in that era where it's already been spoiled. So I guess in a lot of ways, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt of thinking it's refreshing that they're just coming clean and saying, we know we're not going to keep this a secret. There's people in the building. Everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's got a camera. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. So, I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, they're more or less just, I don't know if it's a strategy or they're just kind of throwing up their hands and saying there's nothing we can do about it. How many well, weeks think- until these tapings start running on pop? I, I, Rick, I thought it was the week after this Thursday. Okay, so it is that soon. Yeah. Okay, I, mean, I was in some discussions. I, I, and I, think because I don't well. have it right in front of me, but I, I believe it's in another week or two. Well, you know, kind of going back real quick to stooging off their own results and, and getting out the talents that are coming in. You know, it is, it is a dicey situation because we've seen other companies do this. We've seen other regimes in Impact try this before. Uh, when Jarrett and those guys were trying to impact, they didn't see any increase in their numbers. They actually saw some declines. WWE's done it before where they've seen declines, but most recently when they did that, you know, they stooged off that AJ had taken that title over on the UK on their UK tour. And they're and usually when those pre-tapes happen, you know, they see a, a great decline in their numbers, but they go ahead and release that AJ's taking the title tonight, and they actually saw an increase. So it, I mean, it's a tricky situation. I guess it's like flipping a coin to see what's going to stick. But, you know, you get out there, hey, we do have some big developments coming. We have big names coming in. Then ho- I guess hopefully people, as Ryan was saying, hey, this has got to be, you know, a must-see situation. How are they going to bring them in? Audiences are funny. Television audiences are funny. Go back to the that'll put butts in seats comment. Well, it did. Everybody changed the channel. You know, I mean, when it, you you it's it's strange because people's viewing habits are so different now than they used to be. Um, so I don't know if people I, I think sometimes people like to know what they're getting ready to watch. They like to know I'm not going to be disappointed by these next 30 minutes or these next 60 minutes or whatever. I know I'm going to see something decent because I know I'm going to see Austin Aries win the title. Uh, maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe that's part of the strategy. Or again, it may just be a, you know, you throw up your hands and say, don't shoot, uh, because there's nothing I can really do about it. I, I'm actually, I'm actually one of those people though. like, I don't mind the spoilers. I'm more of the journey instead of, you know, the destination. 
Like I'll be watching a movie. Like later on this afternoon, if I'm sitting, if I sit down and a movie happens to catch my attention, I'll look up what happens during the movie and, and ruin the surprise for me. But then I'll sit and watch the rest of the thing to see how I get there. How do we feel about Austin Aries being the Impact Champion? Like, do we feel like this is Austin Aries? He made his name in TNA. This is his grand return to the company. He comes in and he wins the title night one and the new regime is off and running. Or do we feel like yet again, we're bringing in a WWE guy who couldn't cut it up there and we're going to throw the title on him night one and he just pinned our champion in street clothes. Like, because we've seen Impact do this before, you know, so it's... Anytime there's a change in management and then a change in the champion, it always makes me question the contract status of the outgoing champion. Yeah, if you're uh, Eli Drake, how do you feel about this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he signed. Uh, again, we're also coming into an era where you don't know who's under contract or who they want to release, who's, whose contracts they want to get out from under, who doesn't like the idea of doing a lot of tapings in Canada... I mean, we're going to see a lot of overhaul, I think, over the next few months, too, which is natural because they've moved to a different country. They're under new management. Now you've got a new champion. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't mean they're losing Drake. But again, we've heard names. You know, we know about James Storm situation. Um, You know, there's a lot of guys who might be jumping ship right now. Maybe Drake's one of them and they had to take the title off of him. Or maybe it's just setting up a feud. You know, at this point, it's a crapshoot. Rick, what do you think? Especially when you get in contracts that nobody knows about. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but especially when you get into contracts that we right, don't have. We any have no with. idea. Right. You, you kind of, it kind of interests me when you, you know, you mentioned that they did make the move to Canada. Uh, these tapings were completed in Florida. Was there any talk of them going back to Canada for taping, moving tapings away from Florida, setting up in another market? Uh, continuing like their UK tours that they have great success with. Well, was there any any talk like that on on the conference call or anything that you know that you can fill us in on? I can say unequivocally that I, I would think if they're looking for a partner in America again, it, it likely will. I think they'll look for some other areas to to film. Uh, that's not saying they haven't had a good partnership down there. There are some logistics problems with where they filmed in Orlando. It's tough to get an awful lot. Um, I know I've heard that from a couple of employees there. Uh, uh, getting in and out is, is a difficult situation for the talent. Um, other than that, they've had a good you know, working relationship. But I do think that you're going to see a lot of tapings in Canada. I, I, I think that they're going to do a lot uh, in Ontario. I, I think that you'll see some more out in Western Canada. I, I think you're going to see Impact become a very Canadian company. And that starts with who they just named to run the company. I mean, it's two Canadian promoters who are are now running Impact. They're based in Canada. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with Impact being the biggest wrestling company in Canada. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I I did like your question on the conference call. You actually brought this up, brought this up to them. If they were going to, uh, what is the the territory that, that coach runs up there? The, Border City Wrestling and Border City, yeah, BCW. Because you asked him uh, if they plan on using talent from there or using that kind of like a training grounds or you know just tapping into that that program's talent. What did he have to say about that? Well, Border City's always kind of been a. I, I don't know what the official relationship is, but it's always sort of been considered a, a developmental area. Obviously, Scotty Demore had a 
big hand in guys like Bobby Roode and Eric Young. I mean, you remember the Team Canada days. Almost all those people were protégés of his, and they've gone on to have big, big careers. So Demore is a guy that I think a lot of people, they see the coach character, and they don't realize he was a, he was a great worker in the ring. He knows how to teach people. Uh, I think as far as developing talent, that's the guy that they put that in the right hands. Um, he did mention during the call that, um, you know, I, I kind of use the word territory and I, I think he, that threw him off a little bit. And he said, well, I don't think it's like a territory system, but what I meant was, would you centralize BCW as the developmental territory while also scouting others? My sense is that, yeah, BCW will be their main place where they will send to kind of, uh, grow the younger stars they pluck because it makes sense. It's right down the road. They're it's right NXT, down the road. basically. Yeah, I, I mean, without maybe calling it that, I think it will serve as sort of their NXT, yeah. Well, was there any talk of, like, we go back to, we know that they're going back to the four-sided ring. Was there any any talk of, like, any other set changes or maybe, like, production upgrades, like upgrading their quality there? I, I know our good friend, Big Ray, he had kind of pitched this question on the conference call. Uh, he wanted to know, you know, one of the most important things about presenting your product on television is its appearance. And they've kind of got knocked for that in the past. Um, somehow, you know, when they try to hide like their audience or the lighting or just the overall presentation of the talent in the ring. Have you heard anything about changes that we might possibly see going in that direction? Uh, they both discussed that. Um, obviously, they said it would be kind of a work in progress from what I remember on the conversation. And Ray did ask him about that. And, and I think one of the things that, uh, have has always sort of been true in wrestling with with all despite all the regime changes is there's only so much you can do i mean there's only so many ways you can shoot wrestling um but at the same time they both expressed an interest in kind of a trial and error and if they they try something that visually looks good they would stick with it and if they tried something that uh they didn't think uh or they thought took away from the product they would take it out and and so i i kind of look forward to seeing it evolve i think that's the way that they broke it down was that hey right now it's kind of katie bar the door we might try different camera angles we might not um we're just going to kind of throw stuff out there and see what works as far as the set goes i've always really liked impact set i like the giant video wall i like the giant like video banners in the background that show the talent that's facing off in that match it feels very japanese to me which is probably i was just gonna ask I you like it. i was, was going to ask you jargo you know you you watch wrestling from all around the world you regularly watch it you're in television how, how what, what changes would you like to see and what would you like to see them keep i mean how could they really improve their quality to to draw in you know a new audience or a casual what, what would you do there, Jargo? My my biggest complaint about Impact as far as like their production value goes is it's almost too dark. <coughs> and, I, and I mean that just in the way like the lighting is. When you watch Raw, the crowd is really lit up because the crowd is meant to be as very much so a character on the show. When you watch a Japanese show, the crowd is kept very dark because they don't want the crowd taking any of the attention away from the ring. Impact kind of goes with that half and half medium, yeah. and it doesn't really work for me. But I mean, as far as like the, the actual, be... go ahead. I was say, I, I'm sorry. I, I I said I I believe the crowd will be darkened during the the reign of the Canadians. I think they'll go old school and they'll go like New Japan. 
um, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Which is fine as long as you're not trying to play that kind of crowd response where you're trying to focus on the crowd, but you can't focus on the crowd because the crowd is so dark. You know, that's just little production stuff that just drives me nuts. But I mean, as far as like the actual look of impact goes, there's a lot of things that they do that I really enjoy. Like the giant video wall with the entrance, you know, where you can come in from either side, but it's still the video wall behind it. They were the first ones that I remember seeing do that. And now, like when you go to an NXT live event, that's how their video wall is set up. You know, it seems like they use a lot of crane and almost drone-like shots. When I watch SmackDown now, I'm seeing a lot of those same kind of shots. Yeah. They, they did some really cool stuff with this the overhead shots during, like, the Six Sides of Steel matches. TNA was pretty innovative for as much as everybody knocks them. You know, some of those vignettes they did, you know, with the voiceovers with the guy with the heavy voice and all that. Some of that stuff was some pretty great video work. They have the people to do it. It's just the resources. And really, I think it's the organization part of it. If, if you hear people that worked in the company in the past, there was not a lot of communication. So hopefully... That changes, you know, all the way through the company, but especially on the wrestling side with, you know, Callis and Demore. My favorite you know, thing the, that Impact does, one. my favorite thing Impact does is when they're doing those like close up shots, like leading up between, you know, as they're going to break, it's going to be EC3 versus Eli Drake, and they'll show both of them on those close up shots. But the the camera is so close to their face that you can see the LED flash from the camera inside of their pupils. Mm. And it looks freaking mm. awesome. That's my favorite <laughs> thing that Impact does. That's my favorite shot of the whole things. freaking night. Yeah, those little subliminal things that just catch you, and that's that's what they need to find. Go ahead, Rick. You know, the, the, my only knock on on really their production. I know, I know they you know have to work against smaller audiences, so they're trying to mass it and all that. But is maybe their audio? You know, when their music, especially for the talent hits. Sometimes it's hard to pick up. You don't get that initial pop that you do with some other promotions that you can identify right away who's coming out. It takes you a minute until they come out the stage. Oh, okay. And maybe that's just, you know, getting the audience to grow more familiar with the music, but it doesn't really have that pop through the television, you know, when the music hits there. It seems a Uh, lot of their show is done in post. Like when it comes to the audio and it takes you out of that raw moment. You know, because it doesn't feel like it's live because it's not live. That that's that's probably it there. Uh, you know, we're you know we're talking about the production and all that. We're moving into talking a little bit of television here. They got this new Twitch deal. Uh, Ryan, what can you fill us in with that? It's on the ring skirt. <laughs> we did find that out during the press conference. And, and uh, I guess and I guess now we do know that the the first content from Impact Wrestling that will. The premiered on Twitch will be the barbed wire rope match between uh, OVE and LAX, correct? Yes. I, I will be honest with you. The Twitch thing caught me completely off guard. Everybody said, yeah, we saw at the tapings there. They've got the deal going to Twitch and it was on the ring apron and, and, and everything. And and I my first experience with Twitch as far as wrestling was with Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. And, and now I guess they have different levels. You You guys... I swear no more about the Twitch app than I do. I've, I've literally, they've sent me emails on it and I've, I have really been meaning to read them. I've looked at them a few times. I've opened them a couple times even. And honestly, I don't know how the, the entire structure of the scaling of it works. 
I remember I've watched one show on Twitch, and it was uh, Triple Mania from Triple A, uh, and that was, gosh, what, back in August, September? And I had a hell of a time. In fact, I watched like three quarters of the show with Spanish commentary because I didn't realize there was another feed because you had to type in something specific to find it with English commentary. Um, so I'm, I'm very unfamiliar with the platform as well. I I have it on my PS4. That's how much I know about it. You guys, you guys were mentioning different price points. All the links I've ever been sent by anybody, I've watched for free. I and I didn't know, you know, that well, you have a dollar ninety nine for this or five ninety nine or whatever it is for that. And and it's just one of those things again. The impact situation. A lot of this stuff. Hey, we're at the tapings and this is what's going on. Really? Because <laughs> I had, you know, I didn't even see any of this guy. All I knew is about Callis and Demore were about to take over and do their first tapings, and I expected something big to happen and. Quite a few big things have happened. I guess what's more of a an interesting twist on this Twitch deal is before you joined us, Jargo and I were kind of running through and we were preparing, you know, things we could ask you. And when, when it came up to the Twitch and we were looking into, and it does look like there are some membership packages where you can get rid of like advertising, things like that. But the bigger question is, how do they? What avenues will they take? Jargo's a very, very casual, um, maybe just follows through conversations with, with gentlemen like, like you, Ryan, or just through articles. They need to reach out and grab those fans by any means necessary. They need to make their product as available as much as possible. Do you see what do they need to do? And have you heard of any plans uh, for them to achieve those goals? I think if, if you're going to use the Twitch platform, I think they... Uh, and I'm hoping this is where they're going is is Twitch exclusive content. Uh, Impact's had a, a a bad problem. They have a YouTube channel. They don't update it very often. They, they're, they're not strong in social media at all. Uh, I think Twitch would be a platform where they could produce content for Twitch only that would get people excited. Uh, exclusive stuff would be would probably be the route I would go if I were the company because. It, Twitch is still, again, it's a pla- we, we are all around this. We're involved in the internet all the time, and it's something we don't know a lot about. It's still a fairly new product to a lot of people out there. So I think the idea of producing content strictly for Twitch would be their best route in order to introduce the product, not only on that platform, but to in- introduce it to people that haven't seen Impact Wrestling before. Yeah, it's funny you, men- you mentioned their social media. Being a digital media marketing guy, it, it for years now it is it is it drives me crazy you know how how far but they seem behind the the times and the trends with capitalizing social media and reaching out to an audience it almost seems like they they spread themselves out so thin across so many platforms that they really can't focus and and harness in on you know like those top tier efforts that they should be you know striving to to reach new audiences through Uh, This isn't even on the run sheet, but I feel like it kind of goes with this Twitch deal. Where does that leave Global Wrestling Network? Like, are are we killing that? Is was there any talk about that on the conference call? What what the plan is going forward for their network? And that is strange because I don't remember anyone asking it, and I never. It's almost like now an afterthought. and I, I guess they go hand in hand. Are they going to are they going to produce different content for each side? Is is Global Wrestling Network a part of Twitch? Uh, which I, I guess when I make that phone call later today, I'll have to ask a few of these questions because 
I honestly didn't take into consideration GWN at all when the Twitch thing came up. And and again, this is I, I would love to. I, I talk to them every day, and this is just not something that I brought up in a conversation. It just kind of like happened. There didn't it is. even and think yeah, about it. I mean, because it's it, it. You're right. It's such an afterthought. Like it was a big deal when they launched it, and now I haven't heard anybody talk about it for like two months. And maybe the Twitch partnership is an indication that it didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. Because remember, there was a huge push, as you said, right off the bat. I mean, and we broke down a lot of stuff about you know when it first first launched, and and uh, it just. Yeah, I mean, it may, it may be a situation that they thought we can't do this on our own. We need to get with a larger partner. Has there been any word on pay-per-views, house shows, doing anything overseas, any intention of any of that? Or is it just where are we doing the next tapings? I know that uh, April tapings will be um, – well, we did get the, the – dropped. they dropped the graphic last night, I guess it was, at the tapings, the Crossroads event. I have not gotten any more info on that, but it was a pretty cool graphic. Uh, I assume that's going to be in the spring, and I'm guessing that's the name of their next big event. I don't think we'll see another lockdown pay-per-view again from Impact. Uh, the idea of having every match in a cage is just kind of, I don't know where, I, I think one year that would have been okay, but every year kind of got to be ridiculous. And and uh, I, I think that that, the Crossroads event, which is a great name for them. It's a perfect name, actually. It's a perfect fit for their situation. I think that's what we're heading to. I, I assume that's April or May, and that, I guess, is the next big event. Again, I'm getting things for, sent from Orlando. So much is happening between Austin Aries and Brian Cage and, and the Crossroads graphic. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get more stuff tonight, all the way through, I believe, the 15th. Rick, anything you want to throw in there? Well, I was just I was looking up here some information real quick on the uh, the Global Wrestling Network. And they, they did have two more additions to uh, promotions join the lineup. The DEFY Wrestling and Future Stars of Wrestling have announced just in December of 2017 that they will join the GWN. Uh, it looks like as of now, they still have quite a few promotions involved. I just wonder with all these moves and changes going forward, if these different partnerships or agreements could eventually crumble, uh, if you could see, you know, like a, a triple A wanting out of this deal or, or the chase chase out or, well, of course, border city wouldn't want to want to leave that there, but it seems like they might be going through a restructuring phase. Well, and you know, mentioned all those same uh, organizations as part of their developmental, you know, where they would scout talent. He used all those same names. So I'm sure they're all still tied in. It, it may be a situation that they do try to work in conjunction with both or uh, merge the two. Um, either way, I don't think it's going to change the partnerships they've got. I mean, with the, the I, only I, partnership I, that I'm interested in is the one with Noah, given Don Callis's connection to New Japan. That's that's the I, partnership that I find interesting. Well, well, didn't he address that kind of on the conference call, Ryan, where he just kind of mentioned, he said, hey, you know, still with, with New Japan, uh, my position there is to go in and act as a commentator. I am an on-air personality. That's, that's all I have to do there. It's completely separate from his role with Impact Wrestling, correct? Yeah, it's, it's almost like two different lives. It's uh, like he goes over there and he's a broadcaster, and, of course, he acts as a mentor to – Kenny Omega, 
Um, and then he comes back here, and as he said on the conference call, he has no desire to be on camera, um, does not want to portray a character, doesn't want to be a broadcaster in Impact. He just simply wants to work behind the scenes. So in essence, it's really not a conflict if he's just working in management and Impact, and he's an on-air character in New Japan. I, and, and he does a great job as a commentator there, and hopefully he does just as good over here uh, leading the charge. I'm sure he's going to be the guy that makes most of the wrestling decisions. I'm curious how well, long Don Callis can put up with Josh Matthews. <laughs> that, no that'll comment. be quite interesting. That, that will be quite interesting. Uh, speaking of Matthews is out there on camera. Let's, let's dive back into a little bit of some of the, the talk with the talent. Let's run back down some of the big names that, that they've actually come out and announced that have been joining them. Uh, you know, obviously we have Austin Aries who has already taken taking their championship another big name that even kind of uh jargo kind of perked up a little bit and took interest in said it might even entice him to tune in would be one brian cage was there any other ones out there i've i have i've been trying to avoid these spoilers as much as possible uh obviously they are everywhere who else who else are they uh are they pimping out there but as of right now, uh, without giving too much away, um, and there's always the rumors, obviously. Some people asked about Rey Mysterio coming in during the press conference, and that really kind of got shot down, uh, at least from the way I understood it. Didn't, it didn't sound like there was a lot of steam behind it. Um, I, I'm with Jargo. I, Brian Cage is a guy that I think has been waiting for the chance to become a star. Um, I had a chance to talk with Dave Marquez over the summer. He really put over Brian Cage. Uh, Brian cut his his teeth out there on the West Coast. And, yeah, I, I'm with you, Jargo. I, I think Brian Cage, uh, with this this Im, this kind of uh, exposure now he's going to have with Impact, I think he has a, a, an opportunity to really turn some people's heads. Yeah, Cage is that guy that every time I look at him, I wonder how in the hell Vince McMahon hasn't signed that guy. And, and my only logical conclusion is there's no way he could pass a drug test. That's That's the only logical conclusion I have because – Brian Cage, Vince McMahon would look at that guy and go, oh, yeah, I need me some Cage. I was just going to say, his his biggest feud and rivalry in WWE would be the wellness policy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love me some Brian Cage, but my only fear of Brian Cage is he's not nearly as interesting without Melissa Santos saying, they call him Cage. I love that introduction. I, well, I got to say, I think that you'll see a lot of the talent that they'll pick up over the next. Uh, remember, we're going to have that that soon to be purge with WWE also that happens every year. Uh, I, I think you'll see a lot of former NXT talent go to Impact. They'll be inexpensive. They've at least had some exposure. And anybody that's had NXT training, you know, can go. They're going to be a, a solid performer in the ring. I honestly think if I'm Impact. I think I kind of mind some of those people that fell through the cracks, not necessarily on WWE television, but maybe on in NXT. Well, they've already shown that they've had great success, you know, picking up some of those NXT talents and then turning them into their own success stories. You know, I don't think there's anyone bigger in the company, you know, that we can look at that took that route than EC3. But I want to use that to kind of to flip the coin here with a name just like EC3. Let's talk about some potential big name talent departures. Well, yeah. Do we do we talk about EC3 as a new addition or as a talent departure? What is going on with EC3? Uh, of course, I think everyone heard about the story that he does have the right, I believe, to use the EC3 name if he moves on. It's uh, not a coincidence that he filed for that at this time. Um, 
I had heard for a long time about Storm. I think that was not a, a very well-kept secret in the business that he had come back for one more run and then had kind of been promised a return back to WWE. As far as, I think Lashley and EC3, my thoughts are that if we're still talking about them in Impact next year at this time, then either they've had a really bad year or Impact's had a really good year. Because I don't, I don't think that... Uh, I don't foresee them being two guys that want to stay right now. Well, what about even uh, a talent like Eddie Edwards? He's, his name's also been, you know, thrown into those rumors that his contract is soon to expire and maybe he'll be looking to move on to other pastures. Or... I, again, I don't think Eddie Edwards is a long-term guy for them either. I, I, and he's another guy that I don't understand when, when they both came in together that I, I thought that, that, uh, Impact really lost. They brought in some Ring of Honor talents and some guys that had been international players that uh, just they just have dropped the ball on because they haven't had good management. And Eddie Edwards is one of those guys. I don't think I don't know if he's ever been considered a real mainstay guy with Impact. Eddie and Davey both, I just felt like could have been so much bigger down there at Impact. The, the, the American Wolves in general, I thought could have been so much bigger in Impact. Now, the bag on Davey has always been that he doesn't really know if he wants to do this or pursue a career in medicine. And um, and actually lives in St. Louis, I believe, still, not far from me. Uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you've got that kind of talent, you could do something else. You certainly have a lot more security in the medical field than you do getting hurt in the wrestling business. But, uh, you know, at the same time, if you're the company on the other side, you kind of have to go to the guy and say, well, you got to make up your mind because we'd love to invest time and money in the wolves and make them one of the biggest tag teams in the world, but you got to have two wolves to do it. What about Laurel Van Ness? Have we heard anything more as far as her contract status? Is she at these tapings? Is she not at these tapings? Do we have any idea? I've heard nothing about Laurel at all on the tapings. I know that there was some, some stories going around about her uh, contract status, but again, I'm kind of like Rick at this point. If I don't get an email about it directly, I've tried not to. I, I'm trying to wait and watch some of this stuff and actually try to watch it as a fan. I want to get excited about this era. And so I've, I've tried to, even trying to manage the gorilla and talking to Ross and all this other stuff that goes on, I still, some of the stuff I want to be a surprise. I want to kind of watch it as a fan because I've been a fan of, of Impact since they were TNA. And, and I really, coming out of this press conference and out of this week, after just having thrown up my hands and say, this is just utter garbage. And I'm a believer in Callis and Demore. So I've, I've literally pulled back a lot from trying to get too in-depth in this person's coming in, this person's coming back, because all the, all the text messages I get from Orlando from fans, people that are in the stands, I've heard, this is like a pay-per-view every night. So that's why I've kind of pulled back on purpose, like, hmm, I think I want to watch this. I literally have a quote from a lifelong impact slash tna fan that said this has felt like a pay-per-view every night down here so i'm waiting to see it interesting with that good hype i want to split this off um ask you both pretty much the same question you know jogger from the the true impact casual to ryan the the true impact insider uh covers it from top to bottom i'll I'll kick it over to you first jargo you know if, if in one year's time from now, when the three of us sit back down on this show and, and we're talking about where Impact has grown in 2018, from that casual fan viewpoint, 
where do you want to see this company? I mean, what are, what are your expectations of where they need to go? I want them to make me want to watch this show because most Thursdays I do not want to watch impact. I have absolutely no want, need or desire to watch impact because that company has turned me off so many times. They need to get me back as a viewer. And ideally in one year's time, I want them make me have to pay to watch one of their shows. Ideally, I think that is a logical goal for them. Without that, like without going into like over the top detail there, I mean, briefly, what, what are some things they could do for you personally that would pull you in? Put on a good show. Make it about the talent. Not about, is Impact going to be open in three months? Build the talent base. Push your champions. Build an undercard. That's what I want Impact to do. I don't want the narrative to be the ongoing business dealings of Anthem. I want the story to be their champions, not Don Callis. Now, now Ryan is a is someone who you're right on the pulse of Impact. You cover it daily. You you have friends there, great contacts there. Where do you think they need to be in a year, and how would you like to see them get there? A lot of what uh, Dargo said. I, where they need to be in a year is on a real network. Uh, I, I'm I've made no bones about it. They're they're never going to be considered a mainstream wrestling company until they get on a Spike TV or FX. A year from now, I hope we're talking about them having signed a new television. Now, show. now outside of the United States, they've got some very solid television deals, correct? Yes, the, it's the just UK here in this United States market. Right. They need a United States network. Uh, they need something, either that or a large syndication deal like Sinclair is, that will pick up the product. Now, the problem with syndication is it airs at so many different times in so many different markets. I'd love to see them get an FX live show or, or a, a Spike TV show again like they had before. It doesn't have to be Monday or Thursday. It could be Saturday afternoons, just as long as it's in the same time slot and, and it's on a major network in America. Uh, that would be a, a big goal for I would set uh, as a company to look for, um, and really to be honest with you, how to get there, how to become a, a brand name again in wrestling, and it's easier said than done. You need a star. You need a star. In 2018, the goal this year should be we need one face that we can sell to any wrestling fan, to any mainstream fan, to anybody to say this is our rock this is our stone cold this is our all-american boy and he is mr impact uh, that that is that is how you get there i don't care if you have to go sign daniel bryan or you have to sign cm punk or you have to go out and build one in a laboratory you need a franchise player i, I think it's a great point actually you actually reminded me of something that they spoke about on the conference call you know they alluded to going back to the you know the theory and the ideology of the SmackDown Six, where you build it up around a select few that at any time you can turn to them and they're going to carry you and your whole show revolves around them. Uh, and, and you know that's that's instilled that old school mindset that those guys come from. And I know Cyrus and, and Storm have talked about that a great deal on their podcast, Killing the Town. Uh, I guess real quick before before we let you get out of here, just on that between the two of you. 
who would those talents be? Say maybe like the Impact Four. Ooh. As as it's constituted now, I if you if you can keep EC three, uh, and and I would say Drake, uh, 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 Cage, Aries. I mean, those three are a good place to start, and you hope one of those guys emerges. Obviously, I don't think it's Aries. I I, I would say. I, Honestly, Brian Cage is a guy. I know it sounds like I'm putting a lot of faith in him. I I haven't seen him. Maybe I've not seen him enough to be wrong or right or whatever. But he's a guy. He's a guy that's fresh. He's a guy no one's really got any good or bad feelings about. He's got the look. That's the type of guy I would say. Maybe you could put the belt, make him dominant, and make him a guy that's unstoppable. Uh, You've got a few guys that are in that medium star level. You need a guy that's going to emerge and be the number one A plus guy. You know, if, you, if you're like looking to put over coming from a cluster, I like it if, coming from a cluster. If you're going to put over a guy like Cage, like you said, man, he actually has that superstar look. When you look at him, you kind of think like, wow, why isn't he? Why didn't everyone else grab him up? He has that superstar look. You want to talk about a time and a place to really make him? Could you imagine uh, Bound for Glory this year, him and Lesnar, or not Lesnar, uh, Lashley, hooking up in that main event and just like a throw-down, traditional, just blow-out? Those are two very large men who move very quickly. And you have have the opportunities to, to make those matches happen, again, with a guy that we've not really seen. I mean, Brian Cage is a fresh name to audiences it's not a oh we saw that guy you know with all apologies to chris masters he's chris masters to most of the audience um and you know where you got guys like ec3 he's he's ec3 he's known pretty much as ec3 despite his time there brian cage he's been around he's done some things but that's a guy that you can say he's an impact original he's an impact champion and speaking of champions, I do want to throw in, we found out we're going to get new belts finally, too, with, for Impact. Thank goodness. No um, more stickers yeah, I, on the titles. Right. And I, I do feel like whoever is wearing that new title belt, is, it has to be the guy that you is going to carry the flag going into 2019, who we're talking about when we do this podcast 12 months from today. Well, I, I would like to throw one other name into the hat. You said that you need a Mr. Impact. Well, they do have one Mr. Johnny Impact. What is his, I, especially with everything going on with Johnny Mundo and AAA and the relationship with Vampiro and Taya's relationship with Vampiro, if you can lock up Johnny Impact, John Morrison, John Hannigan, whatever you want to call him, and Taya for any kind of a long-term deal, I could absolutely see Johnny Impact being the star of that show. My my understanding is that they are both signed with Impact. Now, I don't, again, I'm not privy. I don't have the books right in front of me. But uh, as far as I, I understood was the reason he got the treatment he got coming in the door is they had assurances that he was going to be there. If you can um, give me Johnny John Morrison versus Brian Cage at Bound for Glory for the Impact title, I am absolutely watching that show. And that's where hopefully and that's the kind of matches that I can see Don Callis and Scott Moore booking because they are that no nonsense, hard hitting. I mean, you know, that Western Canadian. Well, obviously, Scott was in Ontario, but that Canadian wrestling style, we may we may see a Canadian renaissance in pro wrestling. It may not just be because of impact. We've got Kenny Omega doing his thing. We see a lot of Canadian influence on pro wrestling right now. So 
get your maple leafs out and we'll all celebrate and hopefully we've got a, a whole new era of pro wrestling upon us winnipeg rules the wrestling world between the alpha right. and the omega and the brain behind it all don Callis, winnipeg rules the wrestling world and it appears that way ryan thank you for joining us why don't you go ahead plug promote put over anything that you wish at this time We've always got stuff bubbling over in the laboratory at thegorillaposition.com. Uh, my partner, Michael Melkor, <clears throat> God knows what he's up to. He's always doing these investigative, reportive things. And, and I just tell touchy-feely feature stories all the time. And uh, also, I'm at onewrestling.com, uh, the, uh, contributing writer at the MiamiHerald.com, at Ryan K. Bowman on Twitter, and just Ryan K. Bowman, B-O-M-A-N, on Facebook. But let's uh, get to work on that. That's my Huckleberry shirt. Let's 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 step up the game. Let's put put that at the top of the list. When you get Michael on the phone, be like, Jargo has this idea for his shirt. I'll, I will call China right now and get the children working on it. Sounds tremendous. Thank you very much for joining us, Ryan. Ryan, Thanks, great great talking with you. Thank you very much, sir. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Hit us up on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. As always, visit Ryan over at thegorillaposition.com for all your daily pro wrestling needs. You can typically find Rick and I lurking in the shadows over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. Visit the hacker himself over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. You'll find Rick and I over there uh, cleaning the toilets this Monday in the locker room. If you haven't already, drop us a subscription wherever you listen to podcasts like these so that you never miss an episode. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. One more time, at NotJargo. Send all your hate mail to at NotJargo. Rick, if people want to send you hate mail, how do they find you? Well, I'm not accepting any hate mail, you know, because I am loved by the masses over here. I, uh, I, I, this all, was definitely a heel turn for me on this show. But, but for all of my of my mega fans out there, the RBVites, you know, they can find me on Twitter at the real RBV. Of course, you can always catch up with me over on Facebook in the Hobby Media Discussion Group. Right now, we have our best of the best tournament going on. We are in the first round. The finest thirty-two from the year that was twenty seventeen are battling it out. Hey, we we've just launched our official fan page for the Hacker Hobby Media Group. And that's going to be a location you can go to just to find all of our latest uh, programming. You know, we've got, and I was doing the math the other day, you know, we've got programming seven days a week. And usually we've got eight or nine shows going on. Some of the greatest personalities that, that you're going to find out there from, from the experts, the insiders, the guys that have lived in the business, many, many years of knowledge that they'd like to share with us. Hey, to the podcast veterans, Big Ray and his crew that have been in the reporting game of professional wrestling over at OneWrestling.com, right down to the noobs. Jargo and I right here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. You're going to find all of us there. Oh, I can't, almost forgot there, man. Also, okay, okay, Fab. Probably one of the most positive spins you're going to get on professional wrestling. So if you're ever tired of, you know, kind of our negative takes, he's going to put a smile on your face. We got to get Connor on this show so we can shit in his Cheerios. We need to make that happen. So once again, direct all your hate mail to at the real RBV. <laughs> Is that right? All at the real RBV. Yes, send, that is send all your hate mail there because I don't want it. I'm going to shut off my Twitter notifications for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up. You bad guy.
bad guy. Don't lie. 